Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tabitha Valerie, and today's episode is about raising little readers. In our 30s, we may be raising kids, and the work as parents is about trying to raise mindful children who can think on their feet, make informed decisions, and communicate their emotions effectively. Teaching little ones to read and be versatile with words and thoughts gives children the tools to express themselves, the opportunity to name emotions through the conceptualization of ideas, and to hopefully make them better communicators. Talking to us about this today is Nicole de Nobriga, who has her new book out just this last month. More will come on that later. With a degree in marketing communications and an advertising career in her rear view, Nicole found herself in the depths of motherhood with a messy bun in her hair and rhymes on her mind. Having launched dozens of advertising campaigns for her clients, it was time to turn the focus on herself and go after her idea of Tate's Tales, a children's picture book series. Nicole talks to us about how to raise little leaders and gives us pointers on setting the mood to make early literacy a possible success. Welcome, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, congratulations on the release of your new book. That is very exciting. Thank you. It's a little surreal, I must say. It's it's something that I've definitely dreamed about um, as early as I can remember. Even when I look back now and I rummage through the stuff that I used to write as a kid and as a teenager and even in university, I think to myself, this was always kind of building towards this moment. So um, it's very oh. surreal. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. It's interesting to see how all of the pieces come together, right? Like all of the illustrations and your work, and it must be such a beautiful feeling. So congrats, congrats. Thank, Thank you kidding. so That's much. That's so exciting. Not to mention that you've got um, you've got children now, so that would just be, must be so fun to be able to share something like this with them, you know? This book is essentially a piece of my kids. It's it's an extension of them. Oh. It is highly inspired by them. I I wrote the words, but really it came from their eyes. So um, yeah, that's the other piece of it. It's something that will always be there for them to have. Yeah. Oh my God, that's Ooh. gorgeous. Love Dude, that, that is beautiful. <laughs> Talk about building legacy. You go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let me just drop this amazing little nugget for my kids. Good for you. Well, you know what? At the age of five and three, having two little boys at the age of five and three, I mean, these stories write themselves. So I can't take all the credit, you know? Yeah. The inspiration is coming from like, from from the ground, so to speak, right? That's I don't great. know. I think you're totally being modest because I, have, I mean, I've got all furries too. And I could, I don't, I, I could not come up with a story at all. Like I'm so brain dead when you know I'm what? reading to him. Well, I'm no telling way. you, if you start writing down questions that Oliver has in the next couple of years, you'll be surprised what you come up with. Oh my God. Oh, that's good. Okay. I love that. That's like how you could start. It's like, you just think about what they're asking and then that's kind of how you framed it it's you know they're so honest and unapologetic and pure and they see the world in such a curious way that if you start kind of picking up on those cues and those questions and the way my brain is and kind of the creative side of it it just kind of started flowing out of me Oh my God, that's so good. Okay, well, look out in a year from now. I might have a (laughs) (laughs) Tabitha and Oliver. 
Okay, cool. Let's get into it. Um, Let's talk about literacy and uh, raising little readers and why it has become such a main focus of your work. Absolutely. So, you know, the word literacy itself, I'm sure, can be a bit loaded for people, you know, especially as a parent. We have so much pressures um, thinking about just the world we live in right now in quarantine. And we're doing double duty between homework and homeschool and working Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. You know, I don't want the word literacy to be scary for anyone. Really, for me, early literacy represents the real art of storytelling. And as young as I can remember, actually, I just remember loving books. And it wasn't necessarily the act of reading itself. It was just kind of escaping into my imagination and coming up with my own narratives. Um, And I remember my parents not necessarily, you know, being strict or rigid about reading, but just carving out that time and telling us all kinds of animated stories. And I was just, I was hooked, you know. And for me, that has really cultivated my love for books and my joy in reading and why I want to share it. And now becoming a mom, it's become even more clear to me. Um, I see it with my two kids. They're very different in the way they engage with books. One is very focused, very inquisitive, and the Mm. other is very much wants to sort of act out the book and wants to hear funny voices and wants to be interactive with it. So again, it's not necessarily sitting down and making sure we've got all the I's and the T's and, you know, all the sounds. It's really Mm -hmm. engaging with the book and cultivating that love from a young age. I love that. That's so, so interesting. My friend the other day actually told me the sweetest quote that I'd never heard before. Um, and it was, if you have a book, you are, you'll never be lonely. And it's sort of that sweet oh. idea that a book can really just transport you into any different world, any different reality, you know, and, and what, a, oh. what a joy that is to have. That's so oh God, true. That's so true. That's touching me to the core right now, right? Like just the idea of having a companion and that reading and getting so immersed into that and thinking about yourself as a young child of what that did for you, how that supported you. So I think what's really yeah. beautiful too is what you're you're touching on, like again, rather than focusing on the true literacy and the you know, like the reading sure. themselves, it's it's more about this sharing of storytelling, so which much. we've kind of touched, like Anissa and I in previous episodes have touched on this a little bit, that we kind of feel like the art of storytelling seems to be going by the wayside a little bit in our culture. And I feel like that's what I'm loving about what you're saying, that, you know, you bring that back and you can almost use these, these books as they, they obviously are a story in front of you, but like you're saying to act out, you know, and you can put on different voices and you can kind of make that story, whatever it can be, become, you know, you can kind of turn it into anything. So I don't know. That's just, I really like that perspective. You know, when I think about how my parents introduced books to me, it was very much about the storytelling aspect of it. And I think about, where we've kind of come and it is becoming more technical. And again, we need that side of things too, but there is something to be said about your point about, I wonder where that art of storytelling is going. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating because when I think about the way, for example, when we tell stories, the astuteness that can be created in children, when you 
like a, di- a new dimension that is created in the characters, which creates intelligence, a further kind of emotional intelligence as well. So I love the way that this art of storytelling can educate children in so many different ways and dimensions. Absolutely. And I mean, of course, you can find all the technical stats on early literacy. You know, there are things like if you expose your little reader before kindergarten to, let's say, five books a day, they're exposed to something like 1.4 million words at that point. Um, So you are going to get a lot of those technical statistics and value out of reading. But what comes beyond that and what you guys are touching on is really what's brought me so much joy in not only becoming a children's book author, but also sort of devoting that to my website and to my book recommendations because beyond the technical skills, which again, your child will get at an earlier age if they're exposed to books, they're getting the emotional intelligence you just spoke about. Um, You can introduce all kinds of diverse topics to them through Mm. a book, through the different characters, through the different storylines. You know, I know uh, for myself as a mom, my eldest just started school this past September, and I used all kinds of picture books to introduce that idea of uh, going to school and what that looks like and to talk Mm. about feelings. Are you going to feel anxious? Are you going to feel sad? Is there going to be separation anxiety? all these sort of loaded emotional questions that he wouldn't have necessarily known how to articulate. And we kind of used picture books to bring that up. Absolutely. I love this so much because I've been just kind of going there with some of the books that we've been reading. Have you heard of the little, the little leaders and you have, you know, that series where they'll do like, they'll focus on a different incredible person in our history. And so like there's a David Attenborough and there's like a Coco Chanel and they do like so many different, all like a complete variety, everything from scientists to artists and everything in between. But it's so cool because every single one of those will dive deeper in, well, it will show something about that person's history that is, well, first of all, it's totally real, but then it's also not trying to hide anything. So I think it was Frida Kahlo and it was talking about how, you know, she was, she, I think she was even hit by a bus when she was a little girl. And then like the photo is like the picture and the illustration is her like lying on the road with blood. And, but like the whole thing about it, exactly to your point, it's like, you're exposing them. Like I would never normally talk to Oliver about something like that unless I, I think it's just different to be able to bring that in to this kind of environment where it's not only exposing them when it's something they're experiencing and then could also be really, really difficult. You know For what sure. I mean? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I actually just want to jump back really quickly to some of the things that you were talking about, some of the stats, because I think that is really interesting to kind of just educate, uh, you know, Anise and I, but also just educate some of our listeners about what are some of those things that that they do know and they are finding about reading early, exposing kids to, you know, just bringing books to their lives. Well, there's no doubt that the earlier um, kids are exposed to books and and, and language skills, that you're definitely um, developing those cognitive skills. So when they look at the brain, just like any other uh, muscle in our body, we have to exercise it. And how do we do that? Early literacy is definitely one of the ways where cognitive development is definitely um, developed, as well as, you know, just the exposure to vocabulary. So even just us reading to our kids, because of course, you know, it's going to take time for them to um, get to the point where they're reading on their own. If I started reading to my kids 
essentially when they were in the womb up until now my five-year-old is starting his sight words from baby to now five years old he's been exposed to a vast amount of words in terms of vocabulary because they just when they hear all those words and all the stories and especially if you're reading the same type of stories you're kind of on a rotation as a parent you know your child usually picks the same book every night <laughs> for the next couple yeah of yeah those words actually end up sticking you know and then they end up expressing them in in the most fascinating ways you know we'll be in a conversation I don't actually think my kids are listening and the next thing I know they're spitting something out at me and I'm thinking oh wow they're really listening to every single thing yeah so I would say yeah. you know, when you're looking at the stats, the, the building of vocabulary is huge and the cognitive development that goes along with that at an early age. Yeah, that's incredible about the cognitive development. I'm so fascinated by how our children develop like as they grow from stage to stage. Can you give us some tips on how to raise children who are into reading? For sure. So I actually um, have a little a little guide, if you will, on my website as well that I posted. You know, I tried to talk about it in practical ways, just because again, you know, the word literacy can can definitely drudge up some pretty heavy mm-hmm. pressure type expectations. So it's really thinking about it and approaching it that you're coming at it on your kids' level you know, picking up on their personality, their learning type, and how do you meet them in the middle so that they're able to get what you're trying to give on their level. So in that sense, it's things like starting young, like we talked about. So again, not necessarily in the technical sense of, you know, let's, let's sit down and have 15 to 30 minutes every day. No, when I say start young, it's more things like, you know, it's a great time to kind of bond with your child, even when they're in the belly, if you want to sing a lullaby to them or just speaking to them, exposing them to music. Um, You know, even as babies, as they're babbling and whatnot, they're definitely um, expressing themselves in their way and just talking to them throughout the day saying, you know, oh, look at my apple. You know, what a great apple. I, I know it sounds really silly, but it's like just making up stories as you're cutting up an apple can mm-hmm. literally be such an engaging moment for your child yes. as they're sitting there. Oh my reading. God. So- oh my God. How beautiful. And you know what? Like as you start to create, like you're like, oh, I'm cutting the apple and there's a story in the apple. You're also inspiring creativity in so many ways. Definitely. Right? I yeah. also just love that totally. And I love that you're saying it on their <laughs> level. I really feel like I've been able to do that. No problem with all of our, which I know what that Amazing. sounds about me, but like, but I totally do do that where I like, I'll, I get on his level of jokes, you know, yeah. and like what he is finding funny and it makes zero sense, but to get on, like, I like how you're saying that to get on their level, to approach it that way is also a great way to be engaging them. If they might not seem that interested in reading, you know, like that's kind of how you can pull them in. Absolutely. Um, Another great way of pulling them in is um, creating a reading environment at home. Um, I know that when I was growing up, um, I just remember books in the house. I remember having a bookshelf. Like I just remember 
books were in the house. And so kind of creating that environment and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, again, this rigid sort of, okay, we need to have a little library in the house or anything like that. But again, thinking about children on their level, what would their reading nook look like? Would it be a little corner in their bedroom with all their stuffed animals and a blanket and some comfy pillows? Would it be them building a little tent um, in the basement? And that's kind of where they're, they escape with a little lantern and their favorite book. So kind of sort of creating a reading environment at home is a really neat exercise to kind of do together or have them go out and kind of do so that they feel like they have a little piece of something for themselves where they're comfortable and where they can engage with books. Love amazing. it. That's amazing. I wonder if like lighting has something to do with it, you know, where you have like yellow lighting or, you know, something that they love so much. Like you said, a lantern. I absolutely love that. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Another part is, this one's a little uh, boring, if you will, but it really makes a huge difference if you make story time part of your daily routine. So it's like anything when you think about if you are a parent who sleep trains their child or you're introducing um, a new anything basically in your household, routine usually helps little kids kind of get on board. So it's the same thing. And I say, you know, if you make story time part of your daily routine, then it just kind of becomes part of your day. So if that's a bedtime story, if that's a story um, after lunchtime, whatever that is for your family and what works for your household and making mm-hmm. it part of your everyday routine, then it doesn't feel like a chore and it doesn't feel like it's homework time or it's reading time. It literally just feels like that special story time that you do every day. For us, we do bedtime because that's an easy win. It's that one-on-one time. You know, it cuddles. It's 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 much more than just the books itself. My kids couldn't imagine now not having that story time as part of their bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And then there's pretend reading that, you know, is definitely very popular with kids. So you know, kind of giving them a little bit of control over the story's narrative. So picking out their favorite books, and you can certainly do a read aloud first, but then having them kind of read it back to you in their own way, making up their own stories, looking at the pictures and coming up with their own narrative. You know, what does that story look like to them? What what would the narrative be if they were the writer of the book? So again, that kind of, it's on their level. It's not necessarily pressure that you're looking at every single word and sounding it out. But it's just cultivating that love and that creativity and imagination to get them into enjoying books. Yeah, and drama. And dramatics. And so many other things, right? Because like one thing that I find really fascinating about reading all these little kids' books is like there's a lot going on. You know, the illustrations are incredible because you'll take a look at a page and there's like all kinds of other shit that's happening on the page. And you can be like – oh, where are the apples? Where is the farmer? Like, there's just so many other things to look at. And I think that's really cool to be like, what do you think the kitty's doing? And like, just to pull them in. I I haven't thought about it that way, but I think that's a really... (laughs) I love it. Also, just one book. You could be reading one book for like, 10 minutes, you know, it's, you know, yeah. I really love it. You don't even have to be on script. You don't even have to read the book. You can just <laughs> let them do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, I spy. I've been doing that lately, it. actually. It's <laughs> okay. That's Amazing. Cute. Okay. 
Yeah, so that, that, that'll be popular. Trust me. Your kids will want to take over for sure. Um, oh my God, I love this it. next one, unfortunately, in, you know, in current world isn't going to work, but hopefully eventually better days ahead. Um, you know, the idea of visiting libraries and bookstores, um, it just kind of gives them a fun little outing where they can experience books in a different way. Again, unfortunately, not today, <laughs> but um, <laughs> children love a good field trip. So hopefully, yes. you know, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And comfortable spaces in bookstores, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What else? yeah. Um, and then there's choosing books that interest your child. So if you're feeling like they are just bored to tears with, you know, whatever you're reading them or they're just not fully engaged, then you know, you kind of have to pick up on what they're interested in. So for example, um, with my five-year-old, he's very inquisitive. So I know stories for him have to have little nuggets of um, discovery and insight because he's going to be soaking it all in. Whereas my other child is much more animated. So he's really into cars and things that have a cause and effect. So we try to pick stories that have a lot of um, different character sounds, um, you know, f- a humorous type story. So again, it's, it's kind of picking and choosing the books that you think that your child will be into. And if they're more a video type kid where they, you know, like Paw Patrol or um, mm-hmm. different type of videos that they watch, then there's a lot of great books out there that are adapted based on the books too. You can pick up a lot of books with their favorite characters. Right. Yeah. Good call. Okay. And then looking for interactive books, I think there's some great books on the market um, where they come with something that the child can engage with. So I know there's one in particular, What's Under Your Bed, Ted, uh, by E.D. Lara. Um, And this one kind of comes with a flashlight. So you read the book and then you can kind of discover if there's anything underneath your bed, any sort of, you know, bedtime monsters or anything like that. Um, But there's textural books, you know, there's... um, the pop-up books. So looking at sort of interactive books, if your child is more, again, they want to experience the book rather than just listen to the words. Cool. I realize as we're talking through this that, you know, your children are five and three and then Oliver's two. So we're kind of all in the same group, you know, age group here. Um, and we're, we're talking about this particularly, like that's intentional, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that you know, we're, we are talking about early literacy and like that kind of that stage before school age and, you know, where they're not necessarily encouraged to actually be learning how to read. It's more just that just before that. And like you're saying, really exposing them early to the storytelling and to the concepts of books in general. I just feel like I wanted to sort of acknowledge that, that like, you know, we're consciously not really talking about after that, you know, like when you're really starting to get into reading and writing, yeah, we're sure. going there. We're not having that part of the conversation today. We're really just talking about like almost like pre five, pre five and six year olds, right? That's right. Yeah, that's that's actually a great um, point to make because, you know, once they do get to that age where um, reading is definitely part of their curriculum and something that they have to hit their milestones with, then there's some great resources and strategies and whatnot. But this is more sort of just cultivating that love of reading and that love of books so that you're setting, you're really raising little readers and you're kind of setting Mm -hmm. them up for that, um, that future. What is coming out to me the most, like these tips that you're providing with raising early readers is really the crux of it, I think, is just building imagination, 
And I think when we build imagination, we can tell stories to each other. We can connect with each other. And it even plays out like as we get older, like our ability to connect with each other through the art of this, of this beautiful, like storytelling and creating dimensions of different types of characters. Like even if you take Joker, for example, right, just having that dimension of the bad guy, all of these things are making um, us smarter in all these new kinds of ways, not necessarily new, but in new kinds of ways of what we would perceive as the norm. Right. And I really appreciate that encouragement of pretend because that allows anyone and everyone to do it. For example, if you have a power outage, you know, you can still tell stories. If you're by the fire, you can still tell stories. And I love, um, that, that cultivation of all of those things without having the technicality of it. Really, Mm -hmm, it's beautiful. mm -hmm. Yeah. What's so beautiful about this exercise and this work is that you can be teaching them, like you said, about things they might be experiencing soon or they might be never experiencing at all, you know, but it's a way to teach them about sadness or loss or pain or, you know, acceptance and understanding and different cultures and different places in the world and all of these kinds of things that like they truly might not be able to experience in their day-to-day lives. So I think that that is just like, to me, that is the beauty and the power and absolutely I I love the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's becoming even more obvious to me now, um, just, you know, having a lot more time at home with them is that they crave that one-on-one time um, Mm. with us as parents, right? They just, you know, without devices, without our phones, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And when we climb into bed and we have our story time before, you know, at bedtime, it's a little bit about the book, but it's a lot about sort of that time and that that Mm -hmm. attention um, that they're craving because throughout the day, you know, we are multitasking and they're on your screens too, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a great time um, to reconnect and to talk about important topics and be thoughtful and insightful. And Mm -hmm. um, it it, it goes, it definitely goes beyond the words. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. So gorgeous. I think that's kind of a cute way. You might even sort of have already answered this, but one of our wrap questions was um, what has been one of your favorite memories of teaching your children to read? Oh my goodness. Well, it it's it can be as as much of a bonding time as it can be, which it is. It's very special. Um and there's there's definitely that that quiet time where we're just we're really quiet and introspective with our thoughts. There's also just so much fun during story time. You know, I can think about making silly voices and, you know, reading the story in a different way to kind of surprise them because we'd read the book, let's say, five nights in a row. So I'm thinking okay I'm gonna keep them on their toes now I'm gonna I'm gonna change the words around and see if they notice and they just howl and they laugh and you know they're doing somersaults for more so it's it's really it's really a special time you know where we don't I don't have phones on the bed we don't you know there's no TVs around it's really just us and it's us having fun with the story or being thoughtful with the story or answering questions and it, it. it's time that um, that we look forward to every night and if for whatever reason there's been the odd night where you know I can't do bedtime or um, we have to cut a story short it's it's challenging because the kids definitely look forward to it. 
Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because they're thinking, oh, is it over? Oh, is it over? Because they're like moving into like this fun space, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They know what's next. (laughs) Bedtime. They're like, Oliver's totally in that stage right now where he's like, another book, another book. And we're like, okay, oh, totally. (laughs) Cut on. No. (laughs) I was just thinking about like one thing before we, before we wrap up, the beauty of, uh, of uh, relinquishing bandwidth. So your bandwidth is stretched the whole day, right? You're, you're doing so many things. And when you have time with your child, you're in all of your bandwidth goes into, you pour all of your love into creating something together, whether it's connecting or reading or telling a story. And your child also relinquishes all of their bandwidth to you. And I think there's something very magnetic about that. So thank you, Nicole, for bringing that to our space and for sharing that with us today, really. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. I think this is such an interesting conversation, especially in this time, because we don't have so many other things available to us right now. And we just have less stimulation. And but there's a beauty in that, you know, and and being able to bring it back to the simple things and just read books together is a really beautiful way to connect and to um, slow it down and to enjoy those moments together. So this is, this has been really beautiful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So everyone, Nicole Dinobriga's first installment of Tate's Tales book series, Tate's Big Birthday, is for sale. It's on sale and we'll post about it where you can purchase it and follow her on Instagram and we'll be running a contest. Stay tuned. Yeah, I can't wait for that. We'll run a contest to give away some of the books. So you guys make sure you're following Instagram and we'll tell you the details probably today. thanks for joining us nicole thank you so much for having me and you guys stay well thank Thank you you too have a good weekend everybody take care see you next week